Paul says, don't test Christ. Let's talk about it on today's edition of Renew Network Podcast. Good morning, my friends. We're moving on today in 1 Corinthians. Uh, Today we're beginning chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 1 through 10. Paul is shifting his focus now um, uh, away from uh, the discussion in chapter 9 about his rights as an apostle and um, the discipline that he applied to his walk of faith to um, uh, returning to the history of Israel and their uh, relationship with the Lord. And we're going to be looking at just the first 10 verses today. Um, to uh, glean from Paul's uh, teaching here. But before we get into the Word, let's spend some time with the author of it. Heavenly Father, we love you today, and we give you thanks uh, for this moment to pause, just to put the brakes on just for a few seconds, to come up for air uh, at the beginning of the day, uh, to make time for the study of your Word. And God, uh, we're hungry after you. Uh, We want to learn more about you because we want to understand you more and we want to love you deeper uh, and we want to uh, grow in your grace and mercy. Um, We're not studying your word as a checklist item to knock off our list today. We're studying your word as those who are dependent on it. Uh, This is our daily bread and we give you thanks for it. Speak to our hearts, Lord God, this morning as we study together. And may we feed on your word as your spirit teaches us through it. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 10. Paul writes, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that was accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. Now, Paul is going back in history, and um, obviously his audience here is Greek. Uh, These people were part of the Roman Empire. They weren't connected to the history of Israel. Uh, Their story emerges more out of the um, Greek mythology and the worship of those gods. And so Paul's introducing them to something. Um, Now, there were probably some... Uh, Jewish people converted to Christ uh, who were living in this part of the world, and so they would have been connected to the uh, the history here of the Israelites' experience with the Lord. But this would have been new for a lot of these converts, and Paul is um, uh, teaching them how to be um, New Testament believers. The part of the journey of the Christian is to understand 
God's uh, relationship with his people Israel in the Old Testament. And so there was a lot to educate these converts to Christianity on so they could see how God's activity in the life of Israel uh, culminated in the coming of Jesus and his sacrifice and resurrection. Um, And so Paul goes into their history and says, I don't want you to be ignorant (laughs) of the fact, uh, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors, those who came before us, were under the cloud and passed through the sea. He's talking about the Exodus experience. And they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And uh, he goes on to talk about the manna God provided and the water God provided from the rock. And um, he says something interesting in verse 4 that, uh, for they all drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. And so Paul roots the spirit of Christ as being present, as being the one that journeyed with um, the Israelites in their years of wandering in the wilderness. Um, That's a powerful uh, connection point. Uh, Other commentators connect uh, Jesus as being the fourth person in the fiery furnace with um, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, and the the prophecy of Daniel. And uh, so there are places throughout the Old Testament scriptures where the presence of Christ is is visible, and uh, we can discern that that was Jesus. In fact, even as far back as the act of creating uh, the Trinity we can see uh, shows up uh, in the in the narrative, and so um, Paul's attribution to Jesus being the spiritual rock that accompanied them, the presence of God that accompanied them, powerful thing, uh, to powerful connection point. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them; their bodies were scattered in the wilderness, and so um their disobedience their complaining their lack of trust their lack of willingness to surrender to God and his ways led them into this wilderness journey uh of wandering and uh their path was a circuitous one uh <laughs> the point from a to b was really not all that far uh but God had them wandering in the wilderness as though they were people without any inner compass. Uh, They had no sense of direction and their lack of physical direction was um, emblematic of the lack of spiritual direction in their lives because they refused uh, to humble themselves and they refused to really trust God. And all along the way, um, they were complaining and muttering their complaints to Moses and um, expressing disobedience as as they made the journey. Um, you'll remember when Moses went to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, he comes back down and they've made idols to worship. <laughs> they were not a faithful bunch and uh, the Lord had to get their attention. And so that's the reason for the scattering and the wandering. And so Paul recounts uh, Israel's history. And um, he says these things occurred as an example to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. In other words, they were a model for us. They were a negative example of how not to follow God, of of what not to do in trying to relate to him. Um, And he says, don't be idolaters as some of them were. And it's true they were idolaters. They created those idols to worship in Moses' absence. Um, And... uh, says don't commit sexual immorality as some of them did and 
This is a theme that comes up earlier in the book of Corinthians, and again would be applicable here because in uh, Greek-Roman culture, um, sexual immorality was rampant. Uh, There were very few boundaries in that culture as far as participation in sex acts, including um, often sexual activity was a part of their temple worship of certain gods and goddesses. And so uh, this was a concept that had to take root in them uh, as an as an aspect of uh, a life of self-control so that they could really uh, stay committed to Christ and that no obstacle would trip them up from uh, learning to walk in a devoted way. And, um, and uh, Paul talks about the thing they did that we should not do and the negative consequence that they received. And then finally in verse 9, he says, we should not test Christ as some of them did. Um, testing the Spirit of God, putting God to the test. The Bible makes it so clear that we're not to do that. Um, putting God to the test is a bold act of mistrust. It is a bold act of um, saying, I don't believe I can put my faith in you. I don't believe you can come through for me. So I'm going to put you to the test, God. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how you ought to work things out. And if it doesn't look like this, then I'm not going to trust you. Um, that's just silliness. God calls us to trust him when things make the most sense and when things make the least sense. And perhaps there are people listening today that are in a place in their life where things make a whole lot of sense and following God seems easy. Um, But there will be a season when things make so little sense. And it's in those moments when our faith in Him and and our trust in Him and our surrender to Him are put to the test. And it's okay for those things to be put to the test, but it's not okay for us to put God to the test. He wants us to learn to trust Him through whatever season of life we're going through. And whatever it is that we're facing in this life. And that's not wrong for him to expect. Because he's faithful. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promises. His presence will faithfully guide us through whatever it is that we're facing. And so we don't want to put God to the test. And we also don't want to grumble. And we remember the story of the Israelites grumbling about not having enough this or that or being hungry. And then God would provide the manna and the quail and they got bored of that, and then um, God had Moses strike the rock, and the water came forth. And at every point, God is providing for them, even in the midst of their grumbling. But they grumble and carry on, and eventually uh, they, we see the negative consequence of their grumbling. No, grumbling is a, is a, it's, it's a negative behavior that just is the most contagious thing. When one person starts, it catches with another. It sparks like a fire in a dry forest. And before long, uh, everyone's grumbling and everyone's negative and everyone's carrying on about how bad things are. And we lose sight of uh, the many little good things that are happening, uh, the many little good ways that God is taking care of us. Uh, because we're grumbling about the big stuff that we're not in control of. And instead of learning to trust God with those big things, we grumble about them. And uh, that'll spark like an unstoppable fire. And uh, if you are susceptible to grumbling, I pray that you ask the Lord to strengthen you in that way, that your faith might grow strong in those places where you're tempted to grumble. And if you see people around you grumbling, remind them (laughs) to be joyful in the Lord and that the steadfast of the Lord Uh, Love of the Lord is never ceasing. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. 
And if we keep those things in mind, our tendency to grumble will grow less and our desire to trust will grow more. All right, my friends, thanks for taking time out of your day to listen and study. Pray that these words would bless your heart as you continue to consider them today. God bless.